And please join me in an attitude of prayer. Holy and gracious God, for this day we give you thanks. Lord, in this time and place, may your spirit descend upon us. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We pray this in your name. Amen. Last week, we started a new sermon series for Advent, and the new sermon series is where we read classic Christmas stories, and then we relate it back to um, the true meaning of Christmas and how do we carry that true spirit of Christmas with us all year through. And so last week, we started with A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, and uh, we talked about how Scrooge's conversion experience Uh, how it was compared to Zechariah's conversion experience found in the Bible. Like Scrooge, Zechariah encountered a spirit that changed the course of his life for the better. For Scrooge, the spirit showed him the Christmases of the past, present, and future. And it made Scrooge a better man and as one who was more sympathetic to the plight of the poor. For Zechariah, the angel announced that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son, despite their old age. When Zechariah doubted the angel's words, the angel silenced him until the child was born. After the child was born and was given the name of John, Zechariah was able to speak again and praise God. Both men showed the unbelievable and awesome power of God that shows us the true spirit of Christmas. Today we move on to our next classic Christmas story, The Night Before Christmas. So this story in particular is probably one of my more, my most favorite Christmas story. Um, so we would actually, growing up as kids, my parents would read that story to us every Christmas Eve. And the book, though, that we used to read it from was a book that was given to me when I was born, like a couple years after I was born. And it was given to me from my grandmother. And the book she gave me was the books that she read when she was a little girl. So the book was published. I looked it up. um, It was published in 1937. And um, so right before the World War II era. And it's a really big, floppy book. It's in the shape of a Santa Claus. And it's got the old-timey pictures in it. Uh, It's kind of hard to describe, but it's got those beautiful old pictures in it. Um, And so it's, it's... pretty old. It's pretty much fallen apart. Uh, so we keep very careful with it every year. It's, it's tucked very carefully away <laughs> uh, somewhere where the kids don't even know about. But anyways, uh, so that was a Christmas tradition every year. So we would read from this particular book. And even to this day, uh, every Christmas Eve, I read that book to the kids on Christmas Eve. So we, we keep that tradition going. We were talking about it at Bible study on Thursday, how what do you do that you have to do every Christmas that makes it feel like Christmas. And that's one of those things for me is I have to read the night before Christmas to make it feel like Christmas to me. So that's a very special story for me. The history behind the story, though, is a little bit controversial. The man who is now credited as the author um, is Clement Moore. And he wrote this for his family on Christmas Eve in 1822. It was originally titled A Visit from St. Nicholas, but it didn't become published until the next year when a friend of the family submitted it to the newspaper under an anonymous authorship. And then it wasn't until, though, until 1844, until anyone took credit for it, and Moore was finally claimed the author of the story. But of course, this has obviously been disputed 
after going so long of being under an anonymous authorship. And so other people have claimed to have written this story, but we traditionally credit Clement Moore as the author. But despite the controversy, it's still one of the most famous Christmas stories that has become a beloved tradition for many to read during the Christmas season. This past week, um, we had Bible study, and we started a new book study for Advent. And uh, but anyways, as our group was talking about Christmas, we were talking about what, what traditions do you have, what movies do you like to watch every Christmas season? And so we talked about what movies we like to watch and what were the messages that they conveyed and how, does it, and how it fills us with that beautiful, warm, fuzzy Christmas spirit every time we watch it. But someone raised the point, why don't we keep this Christmas spirit with us all year through? But if you think about it, we love all these Christmas movies, be it the old black and white classics or the newer Hallmark Christmas movies, because they not only remind us of the Christmas spirit, they make us dream again. These movies make us imagine a world that is perfect and wonderful where everything works out just fine by Christmas morning. One of my uh, favorite Christmas movies to watch is Home Alone. Um, We actually just watched it last night. And um, the movie is set in present time, present time being 30 years ago. Okay? I wrote originally 20 years ago, but when we were watching it last night, you even mentioned, you said it was 30 years ago. And I was like, no, that can't be right. And I looked it up, and it was 1990. So 29 years ago. <laughs> but anyway, so the movie's about a boy who's left behind at Christmas time because his family forgot about him as they were hurrying out of the house, leaving for a trip. And the movie opens up with the main character, Kevin McAllister, who is eight years old, who is an annoying kid who is tortured by a butthead brother and cousins who pee the bed. Remember Fuller, who drinks too much Pepsi and pees the bed? Yeah. At first, when Kevin realizes he's home alone, he rejoices. No more annoying family to bother him. No more parents to yell at him for his every mistake. But by the end, he realizes that despite their faults and his, he really does love his family. And by the end, when the family is all reunited, he realizes they love him too. Christmas is just that magical time of year that reminds us that despite the frustrations of the last year, despite how we might get on each other's nerves, um, despite how the imperfections and all the wrong things that can happen to us, Christmas reminds us that good things are possible for us, too. Christmas reminds us that love always wins. Christmas reminds us that we are to strive for that idealistic world that we watch on the movies. We know that we're not going to get that perfect world, (coughs) but every Christmas we realize the need to do our part to make the world better, just like what we hope for and imagine at Christmas time. And so every Christmas we watch the movies and we read the classic stories to remind us of those dreams that we all wish will happen someday. 
And this story for today, The Night Before Christmas, uh, reminds us of that idealistic world. <coughs> Excuse me. In the poem, it says that on the night before, the, before Christmas, the children are snuggled in their beds fast asleep, and the parents have just settled in for a nice long night's sleep as well. But the father is suddenly startled by Santa's arrival and goes to find what made the noise. The father finds, to his surprise, a pleasant surprise, that it is Santa Claus who has come to visit the house. In awe, the father observes the magical Santa Claus doing what Santa does best, delivering presents and Christmas cheer to this particular house. And at the end of his visit, Santa proclaims a happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. The story always makes me smile and how sweet and innocent and perfect everything seems to be. But in reality, what really happens is that the kids never go to sleep on Christmas Eve because one, they're too hopped up on sugar. And two, they're too excited for Christmas morning that they can't fall asleep. And the parents wish that they could fall asleep all night because of how exhausted they are. But yet, as soon as their head hits the pillow, they're too anxious, thinking about all the stuff they had to do to get up to this point and all that they have to do in the next 24 hours. And to be really honest, if most of us heard a strange noise in the middle of the night in our house, I have a hard time believing that we would be waiting to sit back and be pleasantly surprised at what we might find. But we love this poem nonetheless because it reminds us of what we really want in our lives. Peace, tranquility, and childlike awe. And it reminds us of how we are to correctly respond to the magic of Christmas, not with a bah humbug, to quote Ebenezer Scrooge from last week's lesson, but to receive the Christmas message with gratefulness and joyful acceptance. Today's gospel lesson is the story of the angel's announcement to Mary. And in this story, we find an angel visit an engaged young woman who, by the way, probably wasn't even 18 years old yet. The angel tells her the good news, that she will conceive a child that will be the son of God and not of man. The angel tells her all the wonderful things the child will do someday, Things that Mary could only ever imagine or dream of that could happen to them someday. But there is a point where you can kind of tell that Mary is trying to reconcile what the angel is telling her versus what she knows to be her reality. When she asks the angel how this could happen since she isn't married yet, I believe this isn't just a question of how this could happen physically, but how could this happen in the world that we live in as well. Mary knew that if she accepted this invitation from the angel, odds were that things would not go very well for her in the end. Her fiancé could leave her, divorcing her quietly as the best-case scenario. Worst-case scenario is that he would condemn her publicly of adultery and have her killed. She also must have been terrified for how her child could accomplish all of that what the angel said that the angel said that he would do. It was a violent world where things didn't go very well for people who proclaimed a new kingdom here on earth. Her head must have been spinning with all the ways that this scenario would not turn out the way the angel said it would. But in the end, 
Mary accepts the angel's offer with humility and acceptance. Now, in the moment of her acceptance, I would like to think that perhaps in Mary's mind, she's probably thinking, Mary, what are you doing? This is nuts. This is not going to go well. This is crazy what the angel is talking about. This is not going to work out for you in the end. But in her heart, I imagine what she is saying back is, but what if it does go right? What if it does all work out the way the angel said it would? Perhaps she was even giddy thinking about all the good things her future son would do. She was probably visioning this idyllic world the the angel proclaimed to her, and her response was a joyful acceptance and humble obedience to be a part of the greater plan, all orchestrated by a good and loving God. Mary knew that what the angel was saying was probably a little bit crazy, a little bit too idealistic. But Mary also knew that the God who announced these things to her was a God who followed through on his promises. Mary knew that God not only loved her, but also all of humanity and was always at work to make good things happen for his people. And so perhaps in Mary's mind, she, was probably, she probably doubted somewhat. But in her heart, she knew she could trust and accept what God had wanted for her in her life instead. And so in the end, with Mary's acceptance of the angel's plans, Mary said yes to a better tomorrow. She said yes to this dream of a perfect world that she and others, so many others before her, had dreamed of. And Mary said yes to her part in making that all happen. That is the quintessential Christmas spirit right there. Saying yes to the Christmas spirit and inviting it to live within our hearts all year through. And allowing that Christmas spirit to fill our hearts and minds with new dreams. Of bigger dreams. Of a better tomorrow. Of a perfect world. A world where all things would be set right. And love would always win. A world where children would sleep peacefully in their beds on Christmas Eve. And a world where we all wish each other a happy Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. Thanks be to God. Amen.